Hello, hello. Welcome to the second episode of the Noah Tour podcast. I am your host, Noah Tour. Now, on today's show, I've got my buddy Brian Kalbroski coming on to share a little bit about his thoughts and opinions on what the state of hip-hop is like today. He's a writer over at Hoops Hype, and he's also an editor over at the NBA Wire sites for USA Today. Now, I'm also going to be sharing a little bit of my thoughts and opinions on the NFL and the state that they're in right now. But before we jump right in, I've got a little another beat for you guys from my buddy Chuki over at Chuki Beats. If you like what you hear, make sure to hit up his YouTube. I'll make sure to put a link in the description. Description. Take it away, Chuki. Now I've got Brian coming on in just a quick second, but like I said, I want to share a little bit about my thoughts about the NFL and just kind of the state that they're in. Now, what I'm going to be talking about is I'm basically going to be comparing the NFL and the NBA in terms of their player expression and how willing they are to allow their players to express themselves. Now, in my opinion, I think the way that the NFL is acting is they want to act like they're an exclusive club that you have to be entitled to come into and be a reporter for this club. And that shows through the way that they allow their videos to be distributed. The NBA allows any blogger, any Twitter user, any Facebook user to share their stuff without penalties towards that blogger or Twitter user. But if you want to use any of the NFL's videos, it has to come directly from the NFL. And they don't want separate people distributing their videos. They want only their own specific social channels to distribute those videos. And I don't think that's right because the NFL wants to act like they're an entitled group that has been the superior sport league for X amount of years, but I don't believe that's true anymore because the NBA and many other sporting leagues are much more accessible to the fans and to the players that want to be in those leagues because they're much more open and accepting of everything going on around them. And the NFL is very closed off and very closed minded. And I think that also comes, it starts from the top. It starts from the commissioner, Roger Goodell. And there's, there's so many things that are wrong with him being the commissioner. And I just think that it's just not right that he's in that position, has been in that position for so long, but he represents everything that the current owners in the NFL want, and that's why he hasn't been removed. There's just, there's so many factors going into him being the, staying the commissioner that nothing's going to change. Now, the NFL is a popular league, and they've been popular for a long time, but they're starting to act as if they're this entitled group that people want to come in well you have to prove that you want to be in but for the NBA it's the NBA wants to be popular they're for the fans they're for everybody who wants to be involved with it it's yeah sure come on in come come join us we have some videos you want to share our videos sure give us some publicity let us share this share everything about the league we want people to know who we are what we stand for just share this with everybody and then we'll be happy with it now with the NFL if you want to share some of their videos you can't without a copyright you're being taken down because of copyright you can't even some of the media members if you go and share some of the videos from the game they'll revoke some of your media privileges because you shared something that they don't want you sharing and i think that's absolutely ridiculous because if you want to be a popular league for the fans for the media members for the players then you have to be able to be adaptable you have to adapt to the circumstances around you And the NFL was also, what they ended up doing is they're picking sides when they don't need to pick sides. Now, this kneeling on the sideline thing during the National Anthem, it was a big issue when Colin Kaepernick was doing it, and then another year players were doing it, and it again was going to happen this year. But it was basically becoming a non 
issue in the league. People were starting to become okay with it. People were starting to realize that this wasn't going to stop. It wasn't going to change. Sure, people were stopping to watch the league. The NFL changing the rule for players not standing during the National Anthem isn't going to bring back any ratings, isn't going to do anything that's going to be beneficial to the league. It's just going to hurt the players more, and it's going to make players want something different. And I truly don't think that the XFL is another is a replacement for the NFL. I don't think it ever will be. I don't think the CFL, I don't think anything can compare to what the NFL is. But these players are going to start wanting something different if the NFL is going to start treating them like football playing machines rather than people. And a lot of times we ask for these players to be people rather than sport machines, and we ask for that, and we want that. That's why we love this drama that creates from it. But every time we get a player that comes in and says something that isn't the typical thing that athletes say, like, oh, coach did great, teammates did great, everything was great for us. Every time an athlete comes in and says something that's not that, maybe something controversial, we say, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why'd you say that? No, 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 go, go back to where you were. Go, go, go back. But no, 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 we want you to say those things. We want, no, 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 go back. It's a very push and pull systematic relationship that we have with these athletes. And it's just not working. And the NFL is trying to put a hold on that. They're trying to contain these athletes and their expression of what they want to do. And essentially freedom of speech. I just don't understand why the NFL is coming from this place of superiority where the NBA or the NHL or the MLB is coming from a place of underneath where they want fans to come in and the NFL is coming from the top and trying to pull people in. The NBA is more welcoming and wants people to come in where the NFL is just trying to almost either push people away and if you're not accepting of the rules then they're just going to exclude you. Whereas the NBA, they're willing to change rules and adapt things to the point where It makes the fans happy. I just don't understand why the NFL continues to assume that they're the top dog in the league, in the world, in terms of sport dominance. It's like, if you want to think about it this way, it's like media giants trying to assert their dominance over smaller market media companies, whether it's a small website, small blog, anything like that. But it's just not working because the smaller places are starting to grow. And if they're for the people, then they're going to grow. It's time for the NFL to pick a progressive commissioner. People respond to good commissioning. Look at the NBA. Look at everything that Adam Silver has done for the NBA and everything that he's done for the league in its entirety. It's incredible to see how well people respond to good commissioning. He's wanting to change the one-and-done rule. He's wanting to change things about the league that has been set in stone for such a long time that people are just okay with him changing it. And it's incredible to see how people respond to a good commissioner that knows what he's doing and isn't doing it for the ratings, isn't doing it for the money, isn't doing it for the owners. He's doing it for the fans. Adam Silver seems like a genuine fan of basketball, whereas Roger Goodell just seems like he's going there for the paycheck. It's just ridiculous to see why he's able to condense these players to just small little pieces The NFL just needs to let players express themselves because ultimately that's going to be better for the league. It's going to be better for the team. It's going to be better for the players individually because people are going to want to come play for the teams. And yes, I get it. The NFL doesn't have any competition. So where are the players going to go if they're not playing for the NFL? And I get that. I totally understand where that argument's going to come from. But 
there's going to be something else that's going to come up if the NFL is going to keep going in this direction of trying to suppress players and trying to make players their objects rather than working with the players. And I just think it's so interesting that the NFL is obsessed with these players kneeling on the sidelines because it affects their ratings. But if a player, let's say, commits suicide from a mental health disorder that was caused by football, they don't bat an eye. It's crazy to think that the NFL just doesn't care enough about their players and they're treating them as football-playing machines and they care about ratings rather than the players themselves. And I think that's just an issue within our sports as an entirety. I don't think that's just an NFL-specific wrongdoing. But I do know that there is something very wrong within the major sports systems where they care about ratings than they do about players' mental health. Those are just some of my thoughts and opinions, whether you agree with them, whether you don't. Let's have a conversation. Follow me on Twitter, at NoahTor, that's N-O-A-H-T-O-R-R. Start a conversation with me. Let's talk about this. This isn't something to be closed off, be closed-minded about. This is something that needs to be talked about out in the open, because if nobody responds to the NFL doing this, they're just going to keep going about their way. All right, now we're going to take a quick little break, and we're going to come back with Brian Kalbrowski. Kalbroski on the other line. How are you doing, Brian? Good to be here, Noah. I was just listening to the new Aesop Rocky album, so definitely in the mood to be talking about music today. For sure. Oh, so you're ready. How I haven't listened to it yet. What are your first impressions about it? It's really good. It's really, really good. Yeah, I think the production is amazing. Uh, his features are really good, too. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was like Kid, Kid Cudi was on it, and it was really nice to hear Kid Cudi's flow. I didn't realize how much I missed for that. Man, Kid Cudi, he's... He's, he hasn't been around for a long time. Uh, yeah, you know, he took a break uh, to, to work on some things. And, you know, I know that he's been with Kanye in Wyoming. Um, so I think that uh, he's kind of feeling better now and seems to be in a much better place. And I think that uh, he sounded really good on this new album. I did not realize how much I missed his flow. Awesome, man. That's good to hear. Do you have uh, like a starter song maybe to start off on or just start at the beginning, work your way through? Oh, yeah, I'd start at the beginning. Uh, that's just kind of how I feel with my albums in general, though. I. It, like, typically, unless it's just, like, a person who's only known for their singles, I'm going to try to listen to the whole album. Artists made it that way. I'm going to try to make sure that I try to give them their due in that sense, too. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so kind of to start things off, I do want to talk about Kanye West and kind of just his weirdness that's been going on. I mean, I do kind of want to start off with Lift Yourself and just that whole poopity scoop verse. What did you, did you take anything away from that? Did you, what were your feelings about that song? It, it was interesting because I like the way he started off, I was like, wait, this is actually really fire. Like this is about to be <laughs> really good. Like I did not realize how, like how much I missed Kanye's, you know, whole, like weird beats. It's like, oh, he's going to do something fire on this. Yeah. And, and um, when he was like this next verse though, this next verse. And then, I was like, I don't know what he's about to do. Like, just I was, I was like, so I was so excited, and then that happened. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, that that definitely caught me as well as many others off guard. Um, I mean, yeah, I think we're taking that Kanye continues to do whatever the hell he wants whenever he wants, and like that's sort of what he's doing. And like, you know, Kanye comes online when he's trying to sell us something, and uh, right now he's trying to sell us that whole like. 
new album, obviously. He's got, you know, a bunch of new projects in the works and like he's getting people talking about him, if nothing else. Like that's happening right now. It's like, you know, how you're leading your own podcast right now, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like it's uh it's interesting because I think that he's He's definitely doing his marketing campaign, and there's definitely a very Kanye West way of doing that. Um, I thought that the, I thought that that song was going to be really good. It uh, it definitely ended up being something different, and uh, that's sort of the way that Kanye is. You know, sometimes it could be really good, sometimes it could be really head scratching. Yeah. No. Do you think that? Kanye released that and then I the title of the other song is escaping me right now but just the way that he he comes out and he acts this way because he did this for the other album as well just kind of acting a little bit weird for Life of Pablo he disappears comes back and acts weird and then drops something that goes popular do you obviously do do you think that's all systematic in the way that he does that well it's systematic I don't think he's acting weird I think he is weird and and I mean I think that like he's got a lot. You know, Kanye is a very complex dude with like a lot of a lot of things going on with him. And like in this situation, you've got uh, you've got Kanye trying to put out a new album, and that's going to be you know leading to some situations where like he's got to make people talk. You know, before he had done like the projections across the world, and like the you know like promoting. Um, I think that was Jesus actually. I thought that was amazing, but now he's already done that. Um, and obviously in this situation, he's got uh, a different strategy and, um, I, some of it is, you know, a little bit, uh, well, not something that I would do if I were his marketing manager, but Kanye and I have very different career paths. So this is actually, this is something that I've kind of been thinking about. I haven't, I've seen it online a couple of times, but nothing really super big about it. I actually have two special needs brothers. So this is kind of something that not necessarily that I know much like, I know sometimes a little bit more than other people do, but I kind of have this inclination or this feeling that Kanye's on the spectrum a little bit. Do you get any sense from that? Because I also like, I'm just, just the way that he acts in social situations. He's a little bit awkward. He avoids eye contact. Do you think that has anything to do with him being, like I said, just on the spectrum? Um, I don't I don't really think that I, I personally can speak to like, his, his mental health as much, both because I don't have the background, you know, with autism and with, you know, knowing Kanye. Um, but that being said, like, I think there are many signs to, like, uh, to point to that, uh, that he has, like, many things that he's working on, obviously. Um, you know, he's, he's admitted to being on Lexapro before, which is um, obviously an antidepressant. You know, that's in, that's in his music. Um, and I know that, like, he uh he's definitely like many believe that he's he's manic depressive, which which obviously would explain quite a bit these like severe mood swings, these ups and these downs. Um and you know, like it's obviously all speculation if you're not, you know, like directly related, you know, to him in this situation, like where you where you where you know him personally, or you can actually speak to what he's like in person. Like, you know, these 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 celebrities these celebrities like we have almost like a caricature idea of what they actually are. Um, obviously I think he's going through a little bit of PTSD too, uh, with what happened, uh, with Kim Kardashian just, uh, I guess it was two years ago now, um, with her getting kidnapped and like, that's going to play a severe role. Um, I know the death of his mother, like impacted him in a very big way. So, you know, mental health is a very complex issue. And like, uh, I think everyone's got their own things that they're, that they're working on. And I know that, you know, Kanye has obviously got 
plenty of things that we don't even know about uh, that we might not ever know about. And like, if your speculation is one of them, like that's certainly possible. Um, and you know, like the things that I hinted at, like those things could definitely be aligned as well. I think it's just one of, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's an interesting conversation because, you know, like there's a lot of people uh, who are going through things that we just don't know um, who have, you know, their own way of, uh, of coping that maybe we don't know. And, and his music has always been like his direct form of communication with us. Uh, but there's always that secondary form too of just like the, um, just like the way that he talks to us too. His interviews, obviously, like a lot of the interviews he's done in the past have been mind boggling. Um, and, uh, sometimes he can say outlandish things. Um, and sometimes it's, un- it's hard to understand what it up from a sincere place or us coming from a place of like, you know, his own cry for health. I, I, don't, I don't know. I guess this is kind of going a little bit off track from where we were going, but um, I know mental health is just something that was kind of overlooked in a sense of the previous generations before, but now with the new, just kind of the age that we're living in now, it's sort of becoming a bigger focus. And even with athletes as well, with that piece from DeMar DeRozan about his, his state of mental health. And are you... Are you for um, kind of the p- more openness that's coming from athletes and uh, musical artists? Are you more are you for that and the openness that they're having with their audience and their fans? I think it's about whatever you know, whatever the artist and, and the, or the athlete or whatever public figure you know wants to do. Like I, like I, I definitely suffer from anxiety and depression, and that's something that like I'm kind of open about. But then again, like, if, like, if I was on a level as big as them, like, A, the idea of, like, you know, maybe helping other people out there who, who might, like, lend some kind of, uh, who might be helped in some way by, like, my exposure, like, my honesty about my situation, like, that's awesome. And I would love to be able to do that, uh, if I were on that level. But at the same time, like, it's exhausting to talk about, like, your own mental health. And it is, like, a really big, uh, it's, it's like a hard thing to do. And the idea that like I would be expected to talk about it almost is like, absolutely not. Like that would be, that'd be horrifying. Like I would prefer to do that on my own terms whenever I wanted to with my own medium. And that's why, you know, like Kevin Love and DeMar DeRozan like had their own platform to do that. And I think that's dope. And I think, you know, artists have that too. But like in interviews, like I don't know if they should be expected. Like I would hate to be like in a locker from. And like he hear another like sideline reporter being like Demar Derozan, you were just swept by the Cavaliers again. Like how does that you're like how does that how, how does that impact like the depression? Like that sounds horrible. Like I would I would definitely not I would definitely not like that one bit. Um, and like I don't know I, I would prefer to just kind of go through that on my own in my own medium and you know in my own terms. And like I think it's dope. I think you know it's really awesome. At the same time, like I had asked you know an NBA player. Uh, similar question, just, you know, because I know that he had been teammates with some of these guys before and just like been around the league for such a long time. And, you know, he'd said that, yeah, he's on antidepressants and like he has pretty bad anxiety, but he was like, I prefer if he didn't publish that though. I was like, all right, yeah, I respect that wish, obviously. It's like, if that's off the record, that's off the record. Like, I, again, I wouldn't really want to talk about it if, <laughs> if that wasn't like something that you felt comfortable talking about. So yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of where it comes down to for me. Okay. Um, are there, obviously you have spoken with plenty of athletes more so than the average fan or the average person like me. Um, are there a lot of, are there, 
there's obviously more behind the scenes that we don't know about. Are there a lot of, is there a lot more, um, mental health issues within like the NBA, just for example, that we don't see just by watching the games or these post game interviews or something like that? Well, I would say, you know, first off, like just even among like everyone and their friends, everyone and their colleagues, everyone in their family, like there's probably even more mental health, like problems that we don't know about that we are, that we see every day. Maybe roommates, maybe like coworkers, like whatever it may be, like, professors, teachers, like, a lot of these people have their own complexities, so I would say, like, in general, like, it's probably about a similar percentage of the people around you that are suffering, but at the same time, like, there's so much pressure around these athletes at such a young age, and, like, you know, in the NFL, like, there's no guaranteed contract, you can lose your job any minute, like, that's high stress, you know, like, in the NBA, like, there's such a big lens on these guys, like, you know, when, when, like, you're a pitcher in baseball, and you blow a game, and, like, the whole stadium is going, you in particular, because, you know, at least in basketball, it's more of a team, more of a team sport, but in baseball, like, you can really crack down on individualized failure, like, striking out with the bases loaded, like, giving up a home run, like, these are really high impact moments, and, like, can lead to very high levels of stress, and, like, I think that in those situations, like, whatever mental health issues you might already be dealing with, uh, are only going to be amplified even more so. Yeah, no, that's, I just think, yeah, just the awareness that's coming out around it. I think we're all becoming more aware of everything, and just being more sensitive towards each other, which I think is great. Um, yeah, so kinda... you know, like I'm not, I'm not too much older than you, but I feel like you know, your generation, even like I don't know if you would separate our generation, but like if we were to, like in a more microcosm of a way, like I feel like your generation is really helping with that a lot. Like you're, for for you guys, like who who are you know just like a little bit younger than I am. I feel like you guys are, have been way open about like emotional health and like emotional uh, responsibility and like all of the weight that comes with that. And you know, a lot of like older people, people much older than I am, like critique that. And like I, I celebrate it. I think it's amazing. And I'm like very happy to have be in that conversation too, because like um, you know, a lot of people hide some of their some of their problems. And like by all means, like that's fair and good. And like people can do what they want to. But uh, on the same note, like, I think it's super important uh, to talk about these things if you can, if you feel comfortable, uh, and that's kind of one way of healing. It's another, it's another form of coping, and I think that that's, like, you know, again, something that, like, uh, people even younger than I am, people who people uh, have really made a lot of strides for recently, and it's becoming the new normal. No, I feel almost blessed just to be within this um, younger generation just because, like, I was even talking with um, – one of my parents' friends, they were saying something about like how this is one of, they work within um, the school district and they were saying that this is one of the most um, open and active generations of students that they've seen. And it's been impressive just to watch them grow from kindergarten all the way up. And I think that's just one thing that I'll remember just for the rest of my life, just the impact that kids at such a young age are being able to make on people way older than them. And I think that just stands true to the tone of your age doesn't define how impactful you can be. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think, you know, we've, we, we've seen a lot of that recently, like after a lot of the school shootings and like, you know, there have been school shootings for a very long time, but you didn't know the survivor's names as much. Like oftentimes you, you know, maybe know the shooter. Um, but in this case, like a lot of times, like, you had the, the survivors come out and, and really be at the forefront of the conversation. And these are young people, 
uh, in a huge high-stakes environment that are coming out with such poise. And it's been, yeah, it's been crazy. It's been really awesome. Absolutely insane just to watch that from an outsider's perspective. I can't even imagine being in that just to begin with, like not the school shooting, but to be in those, be in that environment where you're actively protesting. I That's just hard for me to imagine. That's just me because I'm personally not one of those people to go out there and do that, but just the the courage that they all have to go and do that is incredible. So uh, kind of getting back a little bit on track towards music, um, do you like this new kind of, I don't want to call it mumble rap, but um, the new age of hip-hop with like 21 Savage and do you like 21 Savage and what he's producing? Uh, I don't particularly care for 21 Savage, but uh, I know that like a lot of people really do. I went to the music festival last summer there were like 20 kids on the train with me that were just like screaming like the lyrics to bank account. And um, when I went to his show, I was kind of curious what it was all about. And I wasn't really feeling it. Like I, I wanted to go to like kind of see what the vibe was. Um, it didn't really impress me too much, his particular show. Uh, but like, you know, like performing live, it can be, it can be hard. Um, I don't know, I think each, each, each rapper is different though. Like I do like Lil Yachty quite a bit actually. I think some of his production was like really good. Like. I really like the song Minnesota. Um, he's like, I, I like his vibe. I really like, um, like he just kind of makes me laugh. Like he, he's not really like it's not like he's like that talented necessarily of a musician in my opinion. But like that's not always what it's about. Like Bob Dylan wasn't a very good singer, you know. But like he, like obviously Bob Dylan and Bolivari was like a ridiculous comparison. I'm like. I'm not going to go on the record comparing those two. But yeah, it's not always about musicianship. Like, Lil Yachty says he's trying to sell things. He's not trying to make good music. Like, he's, he's said that before. Um, and, like, I respect his honesty about the whole thing. My phone background is a picture of, like, Van Gogh of Lil Yachty here. <laughs> is it really? <laughs> yeah. I love that. That's awesome. Um, oh, no, like, I, someone else I really, really like right now is Lil Uzi Vert. Um, I think he's amazing. I love, like, the blend of, like, pop punk. Uh, with with hip hop, I think that like he has some stuff that's ridiculously catchy, uh, and I really like like he he wore like all women's clothes the other day because he said he had bought everything else in the men's section already. Um, I think that like yeah, he just has he has a really unique sound, and I think he's at the forefront of this sort of like blend of like punk and like hip hop, and I think that's really cool because I've always kind of felt that like hip hop is the new punk in a way where it's just like almost kind of rebellious, it's like political, like it's, uh, it's got its own culture, it's, it's, it's like, it is counterculture in a way too. Um, a lot of like that, uh, like rap musicians, like wearing like old metal shirts and like old like punk shirts, like with black tees, like I think that's really cool. I think Lil Uzi Vert like rocks that really well, like kind of a streetwear looking vibe too. Uh, so yeah, I mean like, I don't know, I think each one is different, like I'm, I don't know. If, I'm not a particularly big fan of like Migos, to be honest with you. I think that all three of them are really dope people, and they dress really well. And I thought their like cameo in Atlanta was amazing, and like Quavo is obviously a really dope dude. Um, but like as as musicians, like in terms of their their music, like it, I don't personally see the hype. I don't know if I'm missing something, and I might be. Like I don't know, but like I, I think it's cool that people like it. Um, like obviously like Donald Glover, whose opinion I respect quite a ton, says that Bad and Bougie is like one of the best songs of all time. Like I I think yeah, that like, I I I yield to him in some ways, like we have different tastes. Like I think he's 
he's got he, he, his opinion has merit. I think you know mine maybe less so because I'm not a musician. I'm not from Atlanta. Like I'm not like I'm not necessarily an expert uh, in this field. But like I uh, I don't know. I I have never quite understood the Migos thing. I think the the Migos thing. This is kind of what I wanted to talk about you after, right next. Um, kind of people enjoy listening to the beats of hip-hop more than they do like the actual lyrics of it like how i don't know like migos their beats and future um all these beats are just stuff that you can listen to to get hyped to to go just to go to go jam to not to go like go and hang out or something like that but i think it's just people enjoy listening to them and getting hype to those group beats and i think that's kind of what hip-hop is that's kind of the big thing right now in hip hop? Yeah, definitely. And like you know, I've always sort of like the storytelling aspect. And you know, I'm a, I'm a writer like by trade. And like you know, obviously I'm gonna like try to pay attention to the lyrics. And like, just, like I'm not gonna like discount somebody if they don't have good lyrics. And a lot of times, like if my music case uh, doesn't have uh, lyrics at all, like I'm gonna like that. Like I just like production sometimes too. Sometimes I like the lyrics to be kind of abstract, so I can kind of like not focus so much. Um, but like, uh, I, I definitely see where you're coming from and like definitely acknowledge that, that too. But like, with a lot of my personal preference, I just really like good, good writing because like, that's just sort of, that's what I do. Do you, I, is your favorite new age rapper, or I say new age, but like current rapper, is it Lil Yachty, Lil Z Vert, or is it somebody different than those two? I really like Brock Hansen. Um, okay. That's, that's kind of my train right now. I've been really writing that for a while. Like Kevin out abstract and like those kids are amazing and like I think that all all that they're doing has been so exciting to watch. Uh, but I wouldn't really put them in the same conversation as like Lil Uzi and Lil Yachty. So I don't know, like uh, of like the guys who've come out in the last couple of years, like I guess Rockhampton does fit into that conversation. Um, but they're doing something obviously like really different and like that's one thing I really like about them. Why wouldn't you put them in the same conversation? Well, first of all, they define themselves as a boy band. Um, second of all, there's like 15 of them, and like, you know, Lil Yachty is mostly just one guy. Um, and like, uh, you know, I, I think they're closer to like Odd Future than they are like anything else. I mean, they haven't seen management of Odd Future with Clancy's, um, and like, they're. Uh, you know, they, they just do, they do everything really different. Like, they're focusing on music videos and merch, and they put out, like, four albums. I mean, they really tried to, like, oversaturate the market in, like, in a, in a way that, like, like, here's everything we've got. Like, here's this factory of music that we're producing from my home, and, like, you guys got to listen to it. Like, we're going to go on tour, like, five times, and we're going to be on Viceland. Like, it's, it's just a totally different approach than, like, a SoundCloud rapper who's, like, made it, um, who's, like, super overproduced or like uh really curated i think this is more raw okay so you wouldn't you wouldn't call brock hampton kind of overproducing uh no i mean it's self-produced like they've got they've got like their own in-house producers like we know the producers names but it's O'Neill, and like you know you know you know a lot of what they're doing is very transparent um obviously they just signed with rca recently which is like not a huge deal because they have their own imprint label on it um but like I think that, you know, you have a better understanding of what they're doing than, like, some of the more pop-oriented dudes who are designed almost to be on the radio and, like, to be big hits. I don't think Brockhampton... I mean, they're trying to make money. These are their careers. They got, they got 
feed themselves and make money. And they're doing that through like merch and through like floor sales and like you know their own album sales and everything too. Um, but I don't think that like they're designed to be on the radio or anything like that either. Like they're a little bit more like they have some pop songs for sure, and I think that like some of those pop songs are amazing and like could do well on the radio. Um, but I don't think that that's really like in main intention right now. Like I, I couldn't really picture them like doing that quite yet. Like I know that. You know, Kevin Abstract eventually wants to be on like the cover of like Vogue and all of like the team magazines and all of that. Like they have they have big dreams too and everything, but like I just think they're different kinds of dreams. Like he wants to make movies one day. Well, do you think he wants to be kind of like a Donald Glover type? Because you mentioned he wants to be on the cover of Vogue and he wants to be an actor. Do you think maybe he wants to try to pull like a triple threat, kind of what Donald Glover's trying to do? I mean, I've interviewed him, and he mentioned Donald Glover by name. Okay. Uh, so, so I would say that that's definitely like valid. That's a valid comparison. Uh, I think less less acting, you know, and more more like directing, producing, writing. Um, I'm sure he would act in it a little bit too. Like he he has this like fixation with high school. Um, Interesting. I think he could he could make these like high school films, you know, like uh, almost like he saw in the '80s. You know, like there's a lot of like the, the high school trope. It was a very big thing. And, like, I think that, you know, he could kind of add a chapter into that, into that like, lineage of film history. So Donald Glover obviously has gone from being uh, just an, an, a comedy sketch actor to being this prolific um, triple threat is what people are calling him. Do you think that's that could become more common within um, the culture of just kind of what we're, what we're living in? Do you think that could become more popular as uh, more people try to diversify themselves and try to appeal to a bigger a bigger fan base yeah i mean it's, it's, it's i mean it's sort of unclear what that triple threat might look like though but like yeah I'll, like definitely you know you look at like jay-z like as an entrepreneur and like um dr dre with speech the same thing like that's not a rapper just saying one thing like these guys don't necessarily want to rap and tour forever it's sort of a grueling life like uh, ben Staples, when I've interviewed him, like even years ago, told me that he would want to rap forever. Like he wants to go into acting and like film as well. Like he said that he, uh, you know, like had a lot of big dreams for that. He's been great on TV and all of his interviews. He's in the movie Dope. He had like a really small part with that. ASAP Rocky. You look at a lot of these guys like ASAP Rocky, like really into fashion. Like Chance the Rapper has been an actor, but like I can definitely see Chance going into politics. Like. He has a lot of this streaming channel for mayor. I'm thinking maybe I should. Like, I, like he could. Like, his dad is a politician. Like, chances of huge influence in Chicago. He's not afraid to talk about politics. Like, he's somebody that like has been a huge philanthropist too. Um, you know, a lot of these guys might want to start their own labels. Like, career progression. Like the long, long goal versus like the short goal. Like, Jay Cole has Greenville, and there's other dudes on on that label who are like up and coming that like Cole's gonna be a mentor for. Like, it's going to be, like, triple threat. Like, yeah, there's going to be good dudes who do, like, acting and, like, you know, comment, like, what, what, what is the triple threat for, for Donald Glover? It's, like, I guess he's going to be in Lion King, too, but, like... The- like, yes, I would say, like, acting, um, singing, and if you want to put, like, acting and comedy different, I mean, you could do that just like serious acting versus comedy acting, but those are kind of the same thing. And then I guess like what rapping was that not, that not singing? So yeah, I mean the thing with Donald Glover is like, yeah, he's got like three talents or whatever, maybe more obviously, but at the same like he does a lot of writing for Atlanta. Like he, he's done like, you know, he's, he's amazing. Um, but like there are other dudes who have like similarly talented, you know, mindsets, just like not in those categories. Like, 
like I said, like I could see a chance going into politics. Like that's a triple threat, you know. Like if you're if you're like rapping and also a politician, or like Jay Z with title, all the titles kind of a flop. Sorry, um, like Dr. Dre with Beats. Like there's a lot of dudes who are like really successful. You know, there's a lot of guys who have like minority ownership in sports teams too. Like that's like not uncommon. Um, so it, it's definitely interesting because like. Uh, it almost looks like, well, what do we consider to be a triple threat? Is it just entertainment? Um, or like, can, a, can business be in it? Like, can politics be in it? Like, what, like, what counts here? Oftentimes people just think of like a triple threat as like, oh, if only if they're big, if it's a big thing, then it's a triple threat. But I think we have like a lot of tri- per se triple threats just right now that just aren't talked about. Yeah. Do you think so when comedians try and like get big, they use stand up comedy as kind of their building block to get bigger like that's what donald glover did for example that's um that's what bo burnham did when he moved on to start making movies do you think that's what maybe some some hip-hop artists are going to start doing they're going to start using rap or music as their building block to move on to a bigger venture not necessarily i mean like donald glover I guess got started in improv and he maybe had bigger dreams, you know, improv and sketch and then eventually stand up, yeah. Um, but, you know, I think a lot of these guys, like, hip-hop might be their primary thing. Like, that might be just like, the thing that they really focus on and are really good at. Um, and, like, eventually they can get to a point where they are, are more, you know, like, ready to do other things. It's just, like, they've done so much hip-hop, uh, they want to try something different. But, like, uh... You know, it just, it just really depends on, like, what you define as bigger. Like, there are some rap albums that are more popular than movies, you know? Like, Jay-Z could be an actor in a small film, but, like, his album might be more popular uh, than that. So it's, like, it really just, you know, I think it, I think it's a case-by-case scenario. I know that's kind of a boring answer, um, but at the same time, like, it really, like, it, it, like movies aren't necessarily going to be bigger than music, and I'm saying, you know, vice versa, like, some movies definitely are. I agree, like, I there's just so many different variables that can go into that. All right, Brian, I appreciate you coming on, giving me your time and your wisdom. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, I hope it was fun, man. Thanks for listening to the second episode of the Noah Tour podcast. If you like what you listen to, make sure to leave us a review on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcast, because we're available everywhere you want to listen. Thanks again to Brian Kalbroski for coming on and chatting a little music with me. Take us out, Chuki.